Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 26, Blind Spot. Mary, what happened this week? Andrea is hungry. Yeah, so Andrea basically has to eat for two, three, four, five, six, apparently as many people as she fucking wants. And and that's fine because she's pregnant. Right? She is entitled to taking care of herself the way that she thinks she should take care of herself. And she's Andrea Zuckerberg. So like Zuckerberg. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She's ahead of her time. Can you imagine how well off she could potentially be if she was a Zuckerberg? Lord. But no, she is Andrea Zuckerman. And if they think that Andrea Zuckerman pre-med has not read every single pregnancy book there is on the planet, they're sorely mistaken. And also she needs no excuse to eat whatever she wants to. She's I know. She's her own woman. She's a strong independent woman who don't need no man telling her what she should and shouldn't eat. That's like literally her only scenes were of her eating. Mm-hmm. And they make jokes every single time. They're like, Andrea's eating for two or three. Yeah, I'm wondering if it was all prop food, because if so, gross. But if not, that would have been a great day on set. <laughs> right? Well, so, okay, the first time that we see her, I didn't actually clock if she was eating or not. I just noticed when, like, Nat puts down the mega burger and picks up the other plate, and she's like, wait, wait. And, like, sorry, Nat, if she's not done with that, you don't take it. Yeah. Exactly. You ask. Especially, like, that's just bad service. Right. And especially if there's, like, extra – or not extra, but leftover french fries. You never let french fries go to waste. I don't care what you have on your plate. Okay. So you thought it was a french fry. Was it not? I thought it was a pickle slice. I thought it was lettuce. <laughs> it looked we like a pickle that was, like, broken and, like, kind of stretched out. And she was like, oh, no, my last pickle. Let me eat it. Oh, I thought it was, it was green, a- right? <laughs> Maybe my I thought it was. computer was just bad or something. I could totally buy French fry or pickle though. Yeah. We'll never know. You don't you don't waste a pickle. That's all I'm saying. You don't waste a pickle. And then I think we don't see her again until the very end where she's like this is taking forever. And Brendan's like, oh, I know. And Andrea's like, no, I meant the microwave. Right. And I guess my, like, why did she need to be in this episode? (laughs) I mean, like, again, like, I don't care because, like, she's hungry. Girl, eat. Too many ladies on the show don't eat when they are hungry. But I just don't understand the point. There was no point. That was the thing is, like, this whole joke was fat shamey and stigmatizing and like all of this stuff and I just didn't get it it's kind of like how Nat doesn't need to be in a lot of episodes he's just there like he brought a burger and that was it for the entire episode that's all he did yeah he's like the peanut gallery in most episodes that he's in yeah I mean it's just furthering my belief that like you know, Gabrielle Carteris got pregnant because she wanted to get pregnant and they agreed to write it into the show because she's on the show, but they didn't do her any favors. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Andrea was hungry <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. Mary, what else happened this week? David's upset over the other music majors being good at music. 
His professor says lessons wouldn't hurt, but David doesn't like that idea. With some encouragement from Donna and Rocky too, he agrees to one piano lesson. But if the teacher gets on his case, I say in air quotes, he's going to quit. David's piano teacher, Holly Marlowe, is cute, skilled, and also blind. She helps David relax and play with his heart rather than his brain. They have another lesson at home where David introduces Kelly and Donna to Holly as his roommate and his other roommate. Donna is obviously not happy about that and declines Holly's invitation to her piano recital. See, she and Kelly are doing a boys in panties calendar to raise money for the Downey house. Donna thinks Deshaun would look pretty good in his panties on a calendar. Deshaun agrees to pose for a calendar full of other hunky dudes and also Brandon in exchange for a date. Which is a joke until it isn't, and then it is again, and then it's not. Because Donna decides to take him up on his offer only so she can introduce David to Deshaun as her roommate. But then they go bowling and have a really good time and I love that they're friends. Oh yeah, about David. He enjoys the recital and takes Holly to the peach pit where he hits on her over peach pie. Holly's like, I don't need you. Don't hit on me and go talk to your girlfriend. I think David and Donna made up, but I didn't write it down. I, I spent this entire episode really unsure if they were dating or not oh yeah no no clue whatsoever yeah have we actually officially seen them get back together nope okay i didn't think so because like at some point uh when okay when they were talking about the calendar i wrote in my notes like when donna and kelly are talking about the calendar i wrote in my notes she and david aren't back together right and then later on i'm like i guess they are back together and then at the end i was like are they dating? <laughs> yeah, we never actually saw them recon- reconcile. We've never seen them talk about their relationship, except in the context of David's drugs and whether or not Donna will move back in, like, because of the whole drug situation. I mean, we've heard them talk about being friends because the whole, um, that whole thing what was that thing where they were, or maybe I'm getting confused with last week's episode, but, <laughs> but like they talked about being friends at some point. I, but yeah, like we haven't legit had a conversation about, are we dating or are we just friends? Yeah. I just, I, I spent the whole episode very confused. Cause I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess she is his roommate. Like it's weird that he's like my other roommate when they have such a whole thing together. But like, it's not like you have your piano teacher over for a lesson and is like, well, this is my roommate who's my stepsister, my ex-stepsister, and this is my other roommate. We dated for a couple of years, and then I wouldn't get off her back about having sex with me, and she wouldn't do it, so I broke up with her. Then I got addicted to meth, and we decided we should stay separate for a little while, but we do live together. Yeah, like, you would never say that. I mean, <laughs> David might on meth. Meth David definitely would say that, but not this David. David's too grumpy to say anything more than just grunts. Oh my gosh. Truly though, this like grumpy David felt very as like a return to normal. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, David's pissy because something didn't immediately go right for him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Classic David. And now I, I, I was impressed though because like, pretty sure brian austin green was like legit playing the piano which is awesome i was trying to pay attention yeah i think he was yeah it was awesome yeah and i mean like 
he was doing really well up until that part Mm -hmm. that, you know, we all know the part that he gets all pissy about. And I just love that he's mad that people are like, you're talented, but you need to learn technique. Yeah, that's like, I think that would always frustrate me, like, and probably frustrate people that I was around back when I was in band, because like, I was never going to be a music major. I was, I really enjoyed playing music, but like, I didn't want to do anything with it after college. And so, but I was really good at sight reading. So I would just kind of like read through a piece, kind of get like things down. I'm like, okay, that's, that's not too bad. But then like some of the people next to me in my section would get frustrated. They're like, no, 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 keep looking at it. Like there's nuances, there's this, there's that. Make sure you look at the change in key, like whatever it was. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 okay. But I didn't care enough to like be like them. So I was kind of a David at some point. But then at the same time, I wasn't like, well, I'm only going to take one lesson and that's it. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, music is his passion. Yeah. Like, if if you're so passionate about it, you should want to know the nuances, the music theory, like exactly how you can make things sound the way they sound so that you're, I don't remember exactly what she says later, but like surfing on the waves of music. I don't know. Right, right. I lost it. Letting the music yeah. flow through you rather than just, like, staring at the page. Yeah, and, like, I'm pretty sure when he has that lesson, she just fixes, like, his, like, hand placement, yeah. like, his fingering, so that it floats more easily. And, like, that's a simple solution that you would not be able to come up with on your own unless you are legitimately a prodigy, which, by the way, David, I don't think you've ever been a prodigy. Yeah, and plus, with the, especially with the piano, I mean, it's a little different with other instruments because there's really one there's only a couple of ways to do certain like to make certain notes happen especially on the clarinet which is what I played but on a piano it's almost like once you they call it the crossover which is essentially where if you play on the piano and you have to like use your five fingers but then kind of like go up a little bit like a full hand up or a full hand down it's called the crossover and with the piano if you start doing it a certain way it's almost like it immediately becomes muscle memory and you can only think about doing it especially when you get up to tempo that way and so Mm -hmm. you're right like I don't think he would necessarily think to change his finger positioning because it probably felt most natural to him the way he did it and so when Holly fixes it it's like yeah so such as like you said such a simple fix but not necessarily like coming to mind is like oh that's what I need to do Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, like, we've never seen David playing piano before. Like, we, I guess we have to assume he has played it sometime in his life, and that's why he chose to rent one, Mm -hmm. but we have no idea how much experience he has, so he could literally just be, like, like you, really good at sight reading and, like, be able to, like, you know, get the motions down, make it up to a certain level, but then it takes that, like, extra push to get up higher, and for some reason, he doesn't want to accept the help. Yeah, it's like he doesn't want to be told everything he's doing is wrong, which he doesn't even know that that's what he would be told. Like, that's the thing. It it shows his insecurities with someone else telling him how to do something because he doesn't want to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this entire episode is just about how insecure David is when you think about all the David scenes. Mm -hmm. 
we don't see him for a little while, but the next time we see Donna, they're talking about the calendar. It's when Andrea is eating for two or three. But she's like, yeah, he was in such a bad mood that I couldn't even ask him about this. And mm-hmm. It's like, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Like, I understand there's like some t- with certain things, there's a time and a place to talk about something. Not with this. This is like a silly charity sorority thing. Right? Like, if he's that been out of shape like- about the piano thing that he lets it leak into like everything else. Yeah. Like you said, not good. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, I feel like he signed up for piano thinking it would be good for him. You know, he's talked to his therapist. It's really good to keep his hands busy, to keep him distracted. But I don't know, maybe there's a limit where like David shouldn't be investing all of his time in the piano because it's just making him grumpy and fall in love with (laughs) Any woman he meets. Yep. Because, yeah, the next time we see him, he has shown up to his lesson with his blind teacher. And I will say, she's very pretty. I did not think she was a good actor. Yeah, I mean, I didn't look up to see if the actress was actually blind. She's not. That I didn't look up. I looked up her IMDb, and she has only been credited with one other thing, and she's, like, woman in front. Ah, okay. So, yeah, who knows if she's, like, actually blind or not. But, yeah, I I mean, I think some scenes were definitely better than others. And, like, it was almost like the – I don't know, the – because I liked this scene because she could kind of control, like, oh, I didn't sound blind to you, you know, like – Kind Mm -hmm. of squashing some common misconceptions or something, or at least trying to, like, normalize blindness. Like, make it so it's not awkward for you to just, like, learn that somebody can't see. And then, you know, so I kind of like that about her and stuff. And, but yeah, I mean, I can understand seeing that she's not necessarily, like, the best. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was the thing. Like, she was fine. I just didn't think she was the best and I don't know if it was direction or her choice but like they I feel like they were leaning too heavily they always do this on blind shows I really don't know if it's true or not because I don't know anybody blind personally but like I mean if anybody out there knows please let me know but it feels like every time someone is playing a blind person they'll just be like looking off into the distance rather than looking at the person they're talking to in order to prove the point that like I'm blind. I can't see, even though you know David is sitting right next to you because you can smell him from across the room. Hmm. Yeah, and, like, wouldn't you turn your ear towards where they're talking to you from or something? Like, I don't know. I feel like there's still cues that people would pick up on in conversations that aren't staring at a wall. Yeah, that was what got me. Yeah, I mean, and maybe that's... The difference in hiring an actor to play a blind person and hiring a blind actor. I kind of liked her character. Um, I had her in, like, I wrote in my notes that she's a manic pixie blind girl. (laughs) I mean, her character is great. It's just, like, some of her line reads were, like, very dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I couldn't even pick one out because I was just, like, ugh, she just... She sounds like she's reading off of a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, another thing that I didn't like that didn't so much have anything to do with 
the actress, but more to do with the script itself, was when David starts to play and, like, he's really tight about it and she recommends he, like, loosen up and then all of a sudden she, like, puts her hands on his, I personally, like, kind of started to tighten up myself (laughs) (laughs) because I knew it was going to happen. Like, David was going to get a boner, like, on the spot. Like, and I just, I'm totally fine with him being appreciative for how she helped him. I'm totally fine with them becoming friends. I'm totally fine with all that. I don't like how in television, you know, primarily does this, but every single member of the opposite sex that is introduced to another member of the opposite sex automatically becomes a love interest, even if it's like for that one episode. And it's just like guys and girls can be friends. Like people who come or like, girls and girls can be friends guys and guys can be friends like whatever pairing you want to do it just frustrates me that like it seems like people in this show specifically the ones that we only see one episode two episode three whatever their only purpose is really to just be a love interest to somebody and I just like I'm like but you could bring in other people without having some romance involved so I actually decided this like hours after I watched this episode, so I don't have it now for this one, but I did decide based on that. I was like, I should see if these episodes pass the Bechdel test. Mm. Like, how often does 90210 pass the Bechdel test where two women who are named characters are talking to each other, not about a man? Yeah. Because, honestly, I had to think about it with this episode, and I was like, I'm not even sure this passes because they spend so much time talking about Deshaun or David or Dylan or the calendar with all the other men and I think it technically passes from all the fat shaming with Andrea and I'm like that's not great (laughs) yeah it's like from one problem to another yeah yeah the only instance I could think of was Andrea and Brenda at the microwave yep yeah exactly I guess technically if Andrea has a boy it still might not pass (laughs) (laughs) I guess for me, it's just like, like, for example, Josh Richland is inherently more interesting because he's not introduced as a love interest or even so far has like he become one. And it's like, yeah, I, I kind of want to like as much as like Kelly hates him for no reason. And as much as like everybody on the show hates him, he's more interesting to me. And Lucinda only became more interesting to me when she started becoming a villain. Right. It's like. These characters are, I don't know, they just, i maybe I'm giving the side characters too much credit, but I just feel like I want to know more about them out of the love romance context. And maybe I'm just being whiny about it, but that's just how I feel, okay? No, I mean, I think that's, you know, an interesting thing. Do you come into the show knowing, like, it's a soap opera, so much of this is going to be related on dramatic romance and all that kind of thing? Because, I mean, you know, Holly gets introduced in this episode. Her name's Holly, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Holly gets introduced in this episode, and they kind of do with David, Holly, Donna, what they've done with Dylan and, you know, Kelly or Dylan and Brenda, or like, you know, they're throwing in love triangles with a different relationship that's not <laughs> including Dylan. Right. And it's it's interesting, but yeah, like, I don't know. I agree with you that it doesn't have to be romance all the time. I just wonder 
like this show might accept like everything is romance so sorry sure and yeah no that's a good point I mean it's like I have to still remember what this show is at its core what it's about <laughs> um but it, it also could just be like the evolution of television and how there are a lot of shows out there that have and not to, again not to say that this show doesn't have it but like really well thought out characters really flesh out backstories and it's not always about who dates who and you know like when a new character comes on a new season of a show it's it doesn't necessarily mean boom they're only a love interest they can be but that's just not all they are and that's kind of my point i just don't want i want there to be a character on this show that's not part of the main group that isn't only a love interest like think about it emily valentine celeste like even the ones that have been on for more than one episode but then you get all the one episode girls of the week and it just anyway i could i could talk much more about this but i won't because again that's not what the show we got to stick to what the show is about <laughs> and that just might be we'll what say. it's about we'll save it for other episodes of other shows if we ever talk about anything else. <laughs> yeah. not that we don't already have so much content right 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 um because, yeah, like, we're not even halfway through David's story. No. Because he still has to have his piano lesson at the beach apartment where Kelly and Donna come in and, like, kind of interrupt the lesson. I kind of – it was a little weird to me that Kelly just, like, walked over and was like, that was great. I was like, he's in the middle of a lesson. Mm-hmm. Like, excuse me. This is practice time. <laughs> we're talking Boundaries. about practice. But – you know, he ends up introducing Donna to Holly as his other roommate and pretty much says without saying, like, I'm going to her recital tonight. I don't want you guys to come with me. I don't want Donna to come with me. You're busy. Yeah. And this was another time I had an issue with this episode was just mostly because of the um, lack of clarity around Donna and David's relationship. Right. Because, like, you could clearly see Donna getting jealous David pointedly not calling her his girlfriend or even just a friend, but like they're just roommates. And so, and obviously Holly can't pick up on any of this because, I mean, she picks up on some as we find out later, but she doesn't know the history. So she's just kind of like, um, okay. And yeah, even Donna's like, no, we have stuff to do. Yeah. Like that's an interesting thing. I didn't think about like, David is just throwing Holly into the middle of this, like whether or not she's actually picking up on it, because you're right. She doesn't know the history. Like she does tend to end up picking up on it later. And she's like, I'm blind, not deaf. Mm -hmm. Like I can hear that you two have a thing. That's not fair to her. No, definitely not. Regardless if she's just the piano teacher or not. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is whatever she thinks she is, David clearly thinks mm -hmm. that she is something more. Yep. Yeah, because at that part, when he calls her his other roommate, I was like, oh, I guess they aren't dating. He's just being weird. Mm-hmm. I thought of that at first, too. Like, he was just like, uh, yeah, it just, yeah, it felt weird. Because, and again, I think it was just because we don't, we're not really sure of their status. Yeah, because then you see Donna run into Deshaun and being like, we really need you to be in this calendar, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll do it if you go on a date with me. Which is when she says she has a boyfriend. And I was like, wait, do you? Right. 
And then she's like, wait, never mind. And then she like starts like masterminding this plan. And Deshaun's like, well, wait, I thought you said you had a boyfriend. And she's like, I'll tell you all about it. And I'm like, hold on, please don't manipulate Deshaun. Like, don't, don't treat him poorly. Like, this is a good boy right here. And also, I am totally shipping Donna and Deshaun. Right? Oh, my gosh. I was so for it. And then, because I was really worried, too. I was like, you're using him, Mm -hmm. which is not fair to him. But he does seem to be, like, totally into it because he shows up at the beach apartment. He brings her flowers. And I loved when she walks out in her little dress and says hi to Deshaun, David's face. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I swear, that boy was, like, drooling. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, hello, Donna's body in that dress. (laughs) At this point, I wasn't fully 100% sure if, like, Deshaun was on board or if he was still just kind of, like, not really knowing what was going on just because, like, he had the flowers behind his back and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, no, 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 no. But then he's in on it. Like, you find out, oh, yeah, that worked out perfectly, and let's go bowling instead, like, because I still want to hang out with you. (laughs) I love that they went bowling, and she was like, I'm a great bowler, but not in this dress, and then he was like, you're in a tight dress. I got a bum knee. We're perfect together. Yep. They're so cute. I love them so much. The only downside is that their ship name is either Deshaun (laughs) or, like, Deshauna. I'm actually not against Deshauna. Me neither. Yeah, so. Also, I ship it. Oh, my God. Well, I friendship it because we were just talking about how there's too much romance. Well, (laughs) but to be fair, Deshaun was established as a basketball player and as being sort of but not really tutored by Brandon. So at least he has, like, this other part of him. And he even talks about it later on about his passion for sports, especially basketball, and how people just don't understand that about him and things. So this I'm cool with because it was eventually a thing. It wasn't – you could tell it was never – well, maybe not never, but at least to us, it wasn't canon, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I like the development. I'm totally cool with a developing romance. But it's like as soon as that person's Mm -hmm. on screen – and you know they're about to be love interests. I'm like, come on, give give them. Tell me about this person first. Let me let me get to know them. Yeah. Very true. And so, okay, I want to. Technically, next we see David, but I want to wrap up the Donna and Deshaun date because I have some alleged fun facts. Oh, I say alleged, pointedly. Okay. Because so Donna and Deshaun get back from Osaka, Osaka Lanes. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how there was sushi, hip-hop, and bowling. And I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of into that. But also, I don't think bowling alleys will ever get over the stigma that makes me never want sushi at a bowling alley. It's almost like it has to be a Japanese restaurant that happens to have bowling lanes. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like, I was even thinking about the, like, higher-end bowling alleys that we have like the painted duck and the painted pin and you know all that kind of stuff and it was like those places still sell fried food yeah like pretty exclusively there's just when you think bowling alley you think like the bowling alley in Roswell that used to sell the jello shots in the little ramekins Mm -hmm. or you think of like 
the painted pin, which is higher level bowling and has the like frozen uh, Moscow, Moscow mules. mules. Oh, I was literally about to comment on how I've missed those so much. <laughs> I'm telling you, second vaccine shot, I'm not coming back to my house for like four weeks. <laughs> I'm just going to go to places. Now bowling alleys on the list. Yeah, you can stick your fingers in holes and, and feel fine with not getting COVID. I'm still going to be bringing all of my hand sanitizer <laughs> for sticking my fingers in holes. <laughs> that was one thing I was like, why the hell is bowling alleys like totally fine to open up now? Like that was one of the first things to open. I'm like, I know you're sticking fingers in foreign balls, man. <laughs> There's so much touching that happens in that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're sharing balls. You're sharing shoes. It's you're touching screens. Yes. Crazy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, they go to this bowling alley. They both had a great time. Um, and this is kind of when they're both talking about kind of just their past and their experiences and things like that. And this is like I just briefly mentioned, Sean kind of talks about how he isn't really able to keep girlfriends because of his passion for basketball. And, you know, there's some excellent points here because this is why athletes date athletes because they get it, right? Like they understand the passion and the dedication and the time and stuff like that. But at the same time, Donna makes a I think she says here something along the lines of they just felt left out, which can also totally understand. Like if you're super passionate and talking about um what you've been doing and the people that you were with and then talking to them, the people that you were with about that stuff, it's like yeah, you do. You could tend to feel left out. And why would you want to be somebody that you're constantly like left out of their life? So basically, I understand both sides. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a really important thing about this scene and kind of why it's so great to have a buildup of Deshaun rather than him just being like some random hot guy that she wanted for the calendar and then just happened to ask her out. Mm -hmm. You know, like he is explaining to her like, when you're really passionate about something, like, that means something. And then, you know, she kind of throws in, too, of, like, well, the people that you're with are feeling left out. Like, there are things to be taken from both sides of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So my alleged fact, which I say alleged because I don't know if it's true, but I also kind of totally buy it. Uh, Aaron Spelling asked the writers to cut out a goodnight kiss following Donna and Deshaun's date because it – made his housekeeper uncomfortable. What? There was apparently a planned romance between the two characters, and they had to cut it. What? Alleged. But I believe it. But Think what? of everything we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, no, I totally believe it, but like... That feels like a cop-out. And I mean, like, someone could be pitting the blame on Aaron Spelling after, you know, having left the show. Or maybe Aaron Spelling says something different. Or maybe it was, like, you know, an agreement between multiple characters. Or maybe they're saying it just to create more drama around the show. I don't know. Man. But whoever came up with this, if it's if it's not true, whoever came up with it came up with a really believable lie mm -hmm. but i do think it's true well we were definitely denied deshaun and donna Deshauna. yeah they look so cute together and they have great chemistry they would be 
perfect. Yeah. They're like they giant smiles. Like, imagine Donna making like spirit boxes for Deshaun when he goes to basketball games. Yeah. My heart. She could make signs. Because she would. She would make signs. She would wear like the perfect outfit that would match the colors for CU. She would make, you know, break and bake cookies, but she would make them. She would, would also so buy the, remember what parents used to do? They'd buy the giant button with the after with their face <laughs> on it. Yeah. They would buy, she would buy that and, oh my God, she'd become a basket. She would try to talk basketball with him, for him. Oh my it, God. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Okay. Deshaun, Brandon, Steve, Donna. I love it. Watching a basketball game together. I love it. I'm adding this to the fan fiction I was, list. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> we need Deshauna fan fiction because this is one truly I am very disappointed that we haven't seen and we're not going to see. No. God, man. Well, I'm sorry to bring you all so down. That's okay. Don't but worry. We, still have we to finish. Yeah, I was going to say, don't worry. We still get to talk about David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the next time we see David is when he shows up at the recital. And his teacher, like, makes a comment, like, oh, David, is that you without turning around or anything? And before they could have the next uh, interaction, I was like, she can smell him. And then she says, I can smell your cologne from here. Yep. It was perfect. What's not perfect is that she says she's nervous. And so David takes her hands in his hands and starts talking to them. I forgot about that. Like, I genuinely How? think I blocked that out of my mind. <laughs> like, he's literally like, lefty, just blah, 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 and righty, blah, 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 blah. It's like, this is weird. Like, like least, this is actually weird. I, I think I wrote in my notes, and I don't think I know. David goes to see Holly before her performance and gives her hands a pep talk. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I I hated everything. He treats her like she's four. I know. It and like he acts like a child after their you know after the recital. He takes her to the peach pit, and she has to remind him like, "No, you're not in love with me. We've known each other three days, and like you don't know how to interact with me." When I can't see, you're like, oh, it's over there. Like, I shouldn't have to teach you that, like, if I can't see what's in front of me, you have to tell me where it is. Did you notice that he, like, got annoyed when she said, where is over there? Like, he's, like, he was like, oh, it's over there. And she's like, um, where's over there? He, like, it's like, like, he, like, almost rolled his eyes. And I was like, I hate you. And then she's like, imagine it's a clock. Do you know how to tell time, David? <laughs> Yeah, she teaches him. <laughs> this is 12 o'clock. This is 6 o'clock. This is 3 o'clock. And this is 9. I so badly wanted him to say like 2 o'clock or something instead of 10. <laughs> he doesn't know how to read clocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was it was the whole thing. I'm really glad that she didn't let him do stuff for her, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So have you all seen the documentary on Netflix, Crip Camp? It's so good. You have to watch it. 
but there's one guy who is paraplegic. Um, and so like, he's one of the main guys that they follow and he's talking at the beginning of it where he's like, I found ways to make the world work for me. Like I just, I overcame my disability. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it follows this whole thing. It talks about, you know, all of the activism to get like the ADA pass to get, you know, compliance and buildings that there are ramps, like they're at one point because there's no way to travel with wheelchairs. They have to get inside the back of a U-Haul and be like tied to the walls so they can get around because there's, there's no handicap vans. There's no way to get them anywhere. Oh my gosh. But at the end of the episode, he's like, you know, I got this job. It's this most amazing job. I loved it so much. And then they went to move to a new building after all of these acts got passed. They had to put in ramps. They had to make things available for me. And he was like, I realized that, you know, by saying I overcame my disability, I was selling myself short and like removing part of my life. Hmm. And so I literally like just watched that. And then David being like, I just want to make your life easier for you. I was like, you can't exclude her blindness you can't do things for her because she's blind like she's still a person yeah it's like that fine line of helping and then enabling right like it's totally absolutely a hundred percent fine for David to want to make her life easier in the sense that he wants to you know open a door for her so she doesn't have to right just being like a nice person but then only opening her doors for her where she never opens a door, then that's enablement, you know, and, and she won't get the experience of having to navigate through buildings or, or like whatever it is with her blindness and stuff. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, my sister has a disability and there's definitely like growing up, there's a line that at some point, you know, she's got to learn how to do things in whatever way that makes sense for her, even if it's hard because that's how it is. And people aren't always going to know what, you know, you need or what, what accommodations need to be met, like whatever it is. And so you kind of have to figure that out and then advocate for yourself. So yeah, totally get that. Yeah. And like this, to bring it back to David, I'm just (laughs) looking at my notes again. And like this woman has to teach David so much, Mm -hmm. like, because he just doesn't get it. Because yeah, she was like, Think of the plate as a clock. Just tell me where it is and I will get it myself. I will do this myself. Mm -hmm. And then later, like maybe like two sentences later, I think she asks if he loves Donna and he just like won't say it. And she's like, but you do. Like, why does this woman have to do so much for you? Yeah. And then like, like even taking out that part because yeah like it's so strange like it's one thing it's one thing if you have to educate somebody on what you need or or require based on your disability obviously because like you know a lot of people just have never experienced that before so they don't know so totally understand that but then yeah when it gets to the part about like his emotions I'm like boy you should know this stuff and like be mature enough to talk about this because not only does she have to pull it out of him then I like took a step back because I was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute he says he loves her but yet had just hit on his teacher that he has known for probably 36 hours and you know it would be fantastic if Holly got more of a storyline rather than just being this like potential love interest 
and we got to see more because, frankly, they made her a really interesting character. Totally. No, absolutely. She's a a concert pianist who is incredibly smart and tolerates David enough to teach him things. Like, she freaking plays the piano from memory. Yeah. Like, how does she even learn music? Like... Because music is mostly learned by sheet music. And if you can't see it, is there Braille sheet music? Is there Braille? Like, that's so cool if you can learn sonatas and symphonies and things like that in Braille. How badass is that? Now, I think it's like, so there's sheet music in Braille. And then, you know, a lot of people can play music based on sound. Mm -hmm. So, like, I do bet that, you know, if she has a natural inclination to playing music that, like, knowing how to play it and then hearing the music probably like she can probably pick up on all of those little like notions and like the feelings of things that David was missing because he just refused to take a lesson she's so crazy man people are so cool I just wish we got more than one episode with her agreed and like I I would argue they're even the b plot because the Steve finally gets an A plot, and I hate it. (laughs) Hey, we've been asking for Steve to get, like, a real storyline. Boy, does he get one. I know. Mary, do you want to tell us about it? Not really, but I will. (laughs) (laughs) On their way to a baseball game, Brandon's car breaks down, and the closest payphone is also broken. The boys go to a coffee house to call for roadside assistance. Because, and that's where I ended my sentence, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) While Brandon is on the phone, Steve realizes that they've stepped into a gay coffee house. Brandon's like, okay, no big deal. We can still have coffee while we wait for the tow truck or whatever. Steve is really uncomfortable, especially when he sees his fraternity president, Mike Ryan, at another table. Mike Ryan is surprised to see Steve at the coffee house and assumes that Steve is gay. Steve tells Mike he's not gay, and Mike is worried Steve is going to out him to the other members of the fraternity. Steve talks to Brandon about it and promises he won't out Mike to the other guys at Keg House. But remember that calendar thing? Kelly asks Brandon to pose for a photo in front of Dylan, who already said no. Brandon agrees before he finds out that he has to do it in his panties. Steve is initially B-listed because they have too many Keg brothers already, but when they fail to find anyone else, he gets a spot. At the wardrobe fitting, Steve gets embarrassed when his frat brother, Artie, tells him he looks gay in his duck panties. Steve, in an attempt to defend his masculinity, outs Mike. Mike is justifiably pissed the fuck off. Steve tries to apologize, but the damage is done. Mike now has a pink bedroom door, and he's packing his bags. He would rather resign from the fraternity than be thrown out. Steve goes to talk to Mike again at the coffee house and tells Mike he'll stand up with him for stand up with him to the asshole members of the keg house and then he does. Small shout out to Keith for being the one to second Steve's motion to keep Mike in the fraternity as its president because he's fucking good at it. Um they go do their calendar photo shoot featuring Deshaun as America but also basketball, Steve as a golfer, Dylan as a goofy surf guy, Brandon as a cold boy in long underwear, and David but like Valentine's Day themed. There's also a leprechaun, a farmer, a construction worker, a football player, a Halloween guy, and a bunny who came out of an egg, and hot Santa. 
Why wasn't Steve Hot Santa? For real. <laughs> also, what month is the construction worker? Um, I put him in August because there's always road work in August for some reason. <laughs> yeah, like everything else I could kind of get, you know, like, okay, football would be September because that's basically when the NFL starts. Oh, I Deshaun. put it in November because Thanksgiving and football. That also makes sense. That could work. Yep. Yeah, like everyone else was a little bit obvious. Also, another point out to uh, David's insecurity was he was in his little boxer shorts, which he clearly did for Donna because people dropped out last minute and is like trying to cover his entire little torso with that big box of chocolates. He was so uncomfortable. It's which I for I don't know why, but I feel like he would be the type that would be like trying to flex and stuff with no muscles, you know? Right? And like honestly, when he moved the little box of chocolates, like I do think he had like skinny boy muscles where like he has muscles, but then he's also really thin, so the like lack of body fat makes him have abs. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then one more comment about the photo shoot before we talk about the rest of the episode, because I do want to leave some stuff for the photo shoot. When they threw water on, was it Dylan at the end? I choose in my mind to say that Brandon threw that water mm. because of his only acting experience. <laughs> he taught him how. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I know how to get the best side of you. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's see how you react to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even when like Dylan came out and his cheeks were all puffed up, I wanted him to spit water. Oh, yeah. That would have been so funny. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save some more talk about the photo shoot for later because like it is a journey to get there. Yep. So we start off. Brandon's staying. We did get to Ugh. hear him say staying again. So thank God for that. Um, I hate it. It's broken down or jacked up or it's something's wrong with it. And Steve's all pissy because they're going to miss the Dodgers game. Um, Steve wants a Dodger dog, I guess. And so yeah. Brandon's being responsible and trying to find a payphone to call a tow truck or roadside assistance or whatever. And yeah, they're like that payphone's not working. So they have to go to the next closest establishment, which is a coffee house. Great. So he said, okay, let's get some, um, let's get, let's use their phone. So they get in the coffee house. It's hopping. Looks very cute. I loved it. I wanted to go there. Then there's a problem because um, Steve-O realizes that there's like half-naked boys on the wall and wait a minute, there's only dudes here. I So when you first saw Steve's face in this scene and he's like kind of looking shocked kind of looking weird out like there was a teeny bit of excitement in there like there was maybe half a second that I was like oh he's excited to find out they're in a gay coffee house and to be honest that feels more right for Steve yeah I the next thing I wrote in my notes was Steve please don't be homophobic just appreciate beautiful people like I know you do right and like this guy loves sex he roots for people to do it. Uh, like, 
I think it would have made more sense for Brandon to be the one that was homophobic, but I think I can at least do that to Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, I at least understand like if you make Brandon really staunch on a lot of other things, you can't make you can't also make him homophobic. So like, I'm okay with that. But in just comparing the two of them and their personalities, I feel like Steve would be the one that would be okay with it, and Brandon would be the one uncomfortable by it. Yeah, and I mean like. They keep doing a lot of comparisons between Steve and Brandon, which I feel like we've gotten before. Mm-hmm. And because, like, Brandon comes back from the payphone and is like, all right, they're going to be here in a little while. Like, did you order anything to drink or eat or whatever? And Steve's just like, no, no, no. I don't want anything. We got to go, we gotta go outside. He's like, this is a gay coffee house. Which, like, <laughs> they are surrounded by people. I feel like someone would have noticed this man in here. But Brandon Freaking just, out, like, yeah. looks around. Yeah, and Brandon just looks around and is like, you know, it's funny. It doesn't look any different. Which is a great response. <laughs> I know. I Like, there were some things that Brandon said in this episode, like, very few that I was like, that feels, like, good for the time, but not actually good. Yeah. But, like, sometimes I do really appreciate his, like, little quippy comments. Like, Steve is freaking out, and he's like, they're not going to cop a feel over coffee. Yeah, because that's the, that's the like, old not olden days, because this was only 30 years ago, but, like, this was the old school way of thinking. It's, like, if I'm around the gays, I will become part of the gays. You know, it's, like, their gayness is going to rub off on me, and either people are going to think I'm gay or I'm going to be gay or, so, or, like, be thought of as gay or whatever. Yeah. And then you think, like, oh, like – let's just say one of the three of us was gay, then the other two of us would be, like, afraid that you, one of us would hit on each other. It's, like, just because you're, like, I don't hit on every single boy I see. Like, I, it's just this, such no, it, an extreme way of thinking, you know? I And the thing is, yeah, it's it's a very stupid way of thinking, but I know a lot of people still do think that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, think about it. Gay marriage is not that long that it's been legal in the United States, which is insane. Insane. I know. I know. It's like we need, like, a deep breath because this is, I think, a subject that is very close to all of our hearts. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, I don't know if we're going to, like, breeze through this or take forever because, like, this is, this is a tough topic because it shouldn't be a topic we have to talk about totally but this was 30 years ago things are different like i think this was closer to the times that like princess diana made the news for shaking hands with people who had aids yeah yeah and like the magic johnson stuff yeah like i I know it's crazy it's crazy It, it yeah i think anyway (laughs) like I don't know if I can even go down this path not because I'm afraid of making any of our listeners uncomfortable or anything because like sorry but if you oppose gay marriage or anything like that then you're wrong I'm I'm not I don't care if I offend you (laughs) I I get the feeling we have probably said things in the past that anybody that disagrees with us has probably left a long time ago oh yeah totally I mean, one of our top top used phrases is this show needs more lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? 
I stick by it. I, it's right? still true. It's always going to be true until I see some damn lesbians. And then even <laughs> then, we'll still need more of them. <laughs> the limit does not exist. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now that we got it up back on a high note. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next thing we see... Which I have one comment. Well, I guess it is in this next scene. I just got distracted because I actually used the name Andrea in this note. So I thought we already talked about it. (laughs) But yeah, this is when we're back at the Peach Pit and Donna, Kelly, and Andrea are talking about the social calendar that they're putting together to sell with the school events and the money goes to charity and all that. Anyway, Kelly said that Dylan said no because he thought it was degrading being treated like a sex object. Um, Who here thinks that's ironic? I, I wrote coming from the guy who made jokes about his girlfriend being a surfboard when Brandon asked to borrow her. Yep. And don't get me wrong. I do think Dylan, and we've talked about this, I think before, like he's probably the most evolved out of all of the boys on the show, but still, he still messes up because he's human. But yeah, like I wish I would have heard Dylan say that and like could hear some ire or like some sarcasm, you know, cause I'm hoping it was sarcasm. That's like, there is this like slight bit of inconsistency where I'm like, that stuck out so much in my head a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And like, we do pretty much watch these episodes about a week apart. It's not even like we've watched that episode, you know, four days ago. Yeah. But it, it stuck out in my head so much that I remember it now that this one line where you're like, I don't want to be treated like a sex object. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. No, I feel the same way. And then, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. And then this is when Brandon and Steve show up to the Peach Pit, and Steve again is all pissy because they made it to the game at the fourth inning, and all the good stuff had already happened. AKA the Dodgers scored like six, six runs. Whatever. If you've ever watched baseball, it's like good stuff or bad stuff can happen in any inning. It doesn't really matter which inning you're there for. Right? You got there in the fourth. You still have, like, two hours of baseball. Exactly. But then Kelly decides to ask Brandon to pose for the calendar. And I think he said – or she said something like, we're looking for respectable guys, which I think she only said to, like, convince him to do it. (laughs) Yeah. No. They were looking for the most respected men on campus because they got two guys from the keg house. They got the star quarterback. They got the the head cheerleader – um, and now they want Brandon because Brandon falls into everything. Mm-hmm. But then Brandon's all, I don't know, man. Like after he learns, well, first he like agrees and then he learns he's got to wear boxer shorts. And then he's like, well, I don't think the Dean, who I guess is now his father, will approve. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Dean worships the ground you walk on, Brandon. He'll find a way to spin it. He'd buy a dozen of those calendars. Yep. And then Claire Arnold would end up with a dozen of those calendars. Exactly. So it's a win-win for Claire Arnold. <laughs> but I did really love, like, it made no sense to me that he said he'd do it. And Kelly's like, okay, cool. You'll, you know, have to come for wardrobe. And he's like, what wardrobe? <laughs> like, why would they not give you wardrobe? Just come in whatever. We'll take your picture. Yeah. like Yeah, it's not picture day. Right. It's like we're making this calendar, us, not you. So we will tell you what to wear. And then like when, you know, she waffles on giving him an answer, it makes a lot more sense that he's like, Kelly, 
what wardrobe Mm -hmm. and like dylan knows so like dylan's just like (laughs) panties (laughs) and then poor steve is just like i am ready like i will be shaved and tanned in five minutes just (laughs) take my picture I am, and they don't want him. I know, and I'm a little surprised that they asked two other keg guys before they asked Steve. Because if it really was Kelly and Donna like in charge of this, Steve would immediately be on board as he is here. So it's like, why didn't you just ask him instead of stupid Artie? See, this is what makes me think that like even though we give Steve the A storyline, we still hate him. <laughs> I know. Like, guy. bad enough he's homophobic. They're also like, we're not even calling you for this. Oh, man. Like, we're hurting you to the core. Yep. And then he leaves the peach pit, goes to the keg house, and Mike Ryan is standing behind their little coffee maker being like, do you want a cappuccino? He's like, no, I've never drank a cappuccino, which I don't believe Steve has never had a cappuccino. I'm sorry. I hate the use of the word cappuccino in this scene. (laughs) It stopped having any meaning. Exactly. Like, because Mike clearly was trying to be like, yes, I saw you at the place where you get the cappuccinos. So that must mean you like cappuccinos. And we're not really talking about cappuccinos here. We're talking about I'm gay. Are you? And Steve's like, fuck no, man. And he gets all toxic masculinity on us. Yeah. He's literally just like, I have never had a cappuccino. I will never have a cappuccino. I don't like cappuccinos like he gets so angry about it and Mm -hmm. I was like not the answer like you said toxic masculinity like you were so scared about your own perception that you have to put other people down and threaten them like I know I know and and poor Mike because now he's like crap I made the wrong assumption here and now this guy's going to out me to everybody and, and I'm not going to be president. I'm not going to be able to do any anything I want to do at this fraternity anymore. And it's really sad. I know. And then, like, they even kind of, you know, put a, like, full stop on this conversation because uh, Keith and Artie, I guess, call him over to talk about dating Leslie. And he's like, yeah, I did. Leslie, best couple months of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So he's closeted and lying and like very clearly like he is putting this on so that people will like him and I just feel bad oh same it's so sad and then we skip forward in the day to dinner at the Walsh house because we gotta have dinner at the Walsh house and this is basically the only time we see Brenda in this whole episode do you realize we we got like no Brenda I know, and it wasn't I, – I, okay, yeah. So we see her two times, I think, this whole episode, and it was here, oh, and then it yeah. was later with Andrea, the old, the other person we only see twice. <laughs> yeah, we, like, never see her. And I didn't even write down anything about her because Brandon says he doesn't want to do the calendar because Clinton never did something like this, which, like, hindsight is twenty twenty, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I had so literally, many thoughts. <laughs> literally, I looked it up. One month, one month before the first sexual harassment lawsuit against Clinton. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That's and crazy. Because like, technically every single, like, sexual harassment lawsuit up until the, you know, scandal had happened 
pre-presidency. Mm-hmm. So like all of this stuff happened pre-presidency. It's just that like it didn't make mainstream news. And then uh, somebody literally filed the lawsuit one month later saying that he had come onto her and exposed himself to her. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he's like, well, I won't be in a pair of underwear and a calendar because Clinton would never. (laughs) Not the best idol. Oh, it's so funny, though, because like like now it's funny. Like back then. Yeah. okay. But then also like Brenda references the saxophone thing, which is like, Brandon, you should have known like this dude's willing to get on like national TV and play a saxophone like this guy's not just a regular mom. He's a cool mom. And like (laughs) then Jim is a cool dad and says, you have Walsh blood in you. You're a sex symbol. I think I stopped paying attention at what Jim said until he said that his own son is a sex symbol. Yeah, I wrote, I was like, this is hilarious as a viewer and the most disgusting thing I have ever come out of a father's mouth. (laughs) Yes. Like, Like, stop. The only way it would have been weirder is if Brenda had said it. Oh, God. I I think I would have tolerated Brenda saying it more. Why? Because at least they've kissed or something before? Because <laughs> at least we've gotten that, like, sexual tension between the two of them when they're, like, taking pictures before going to Hawaii. Ugh. Like, uh. I don't, I don't want to hear the word sex come out of Jim Walsh's mouth ever again. No. But it doesn't matter because Steve shows up and is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. <sighs> yeah, he first basically says that, like, Brandon's like, hey, have you gotten over being on the B list or something like that? And he's like, he makes a bad comment and says it's better than being on the she list. And at first I was like, I don't know what that means. And then this is when, like, Steve then goes out to Brandon's room and they talk about the fact that, like, Mike is the one that's gay and he's at the coffee house. He's their president and all this. And Brandon's like, so what, dude? But, the like, okay, this is one of the few times I have a problem with what Brandon says because they go upstairs and, like, yeah, Steve is just, like, homophobic comment after comment after comment. He mentions the she list when he tells – Brandon about Mike Ryan he's like the sick thing is he thought I was one too yes and then yes yeah and then Brandon's like so what and then Steve tries to like get Brandon on his side to be like he thought you were gay and then Brandon says so what but he specifically says but I'm not so what's the big deal yeah and it's like you don't need that first part like this is early 1990s like being with it like but I'm not. So who cares? Like it shouldn't matter. Nobody should care what you do ever. Yeah. Like there is no qualifier on here. You just say like, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's, it's not an insult. No. Is the point. And that's, (laughs) and like nothing Brandon says even works. Like, the scene, I think, basically ends with Steve being like, if he makes one move on me, one gesture, one look, he'll regret it. And, like, you've known Mike Ryan for almost an entire school year, and he's never done anything to you. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing as, like, people think that, you know, a gay man will hit on anybody, anything that moves. Right. 
like Steve is just like, oh, you're gay. You're obviously attracted to me. Like exactly. First of all, Steve, I love you, but get over yourself. Well, and it's like <sighs> what Steve fails to understand, which is a lot of things, but especially here is like newsflash, buddy. Mike's been gay the whole time you've known him. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't just become gay when you found out. So to your point about like he's known him for like a year and a half at this point or however long they've been in school. It feels like forever. And yeah. he's been gay the whole time and he hasn't done one single thing to even insinuate a that he's gay. But then much less than that, even insinuate he'd be interested in you. Yeah. Like. They they did Steve dirty in yeah. this episode. Like they hate Steve and I don't know why. Yeah, I'm almost curious like cuz we all know that um the EP and creator or not the creator, but EP um Charles Rosen like modeled Brandon after his experiences in high school. So I'm like is Steve another character in your life? Like is he the guy you love to hate or like you, you know like is this based on some sort of truth because either it is and you really didn't like the guy but you're always friends with him or you just don't know what to do with him well and like think about steve with everybody like no one aside from him being in main cast and having a contract with the show he's never done anything to make us think that anybody would stay friends with him true like, he keeps doing bad things, and Brandon has to bail him out, and apparently Brandon has aspirations of politics, so, like, he needs to cut that kind of stuff out of his life. There's episodes where Dylan hates him. There's episodes where he's horrible to Kelly, and yet Kelly still stands up for him when he has the whole storyline earlier this season mm -hmm. that I, I don't even want to bring up because I'm not prepared for it. Like, they just hate him. Yeah. I don't get it. I know. It sucks. And oh. I Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Feel free to like cut this out, but I like 100% think they did this to Steve to make Brandon look better. 100%. Yeah. It is constantly a comparison battle of like Steve is worse than in most cases Brandon, but I feel like you could probably fill in some blanks elsewhere. But like you know, they have to have levels of morality. And, like, Brandon is number one golden boy, white knight Brandon. Steve is, you know, the dirt underneath your shoe. Well, and they do that with Brenda, too. Like, Brenda's in constant comparison to Brandon, too. It's just in a different way because they're siblings, not – and they're members of the opposite sex. So it's like you can have different ways of showing how they're different. I mean, yeah. literally, like, either the episode, I think it was two episodes ago, literally their own father said, how could I have raised two kids more different? I know. So, yeah. But, like, I I think the last thing. I feel thing, like they even treat Brenda slightly better. No, they but. do. And, and they have to because it's, like, they're still siblings. They're part of the family. It's that unconditional love sort of thing. Like, even though you don't approve of the decisions that they make all the time, it's still family. But with Steve, they don't have that guardrail. So they can just kind of use him to Shit prop, on him. Yeah, to prop up Brandon. But yeah. the only thing I was going to say about that scene before we move on is one of the other things I hated is that 
Steve said that everyone else, like all of his other fraternity brothers, deserves to know. No, they don't. Oh, my God. I have so many issues <laughs> about that later. Like, I did y'all ever see um, – I think it's uh, I, Love, Simon? Oh, yes. Okay. When he makes the comment, you know, because he's gay, he's, you know, in the closet. He hasn't told anybody yet. And then he gets outed in the movie, right? And he makes this whole comment that, you know, straight people should have to come out to their parents too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's – I think about that all the time. Like, you you should have to – not you should have to. You should feel entitled to tell people, you know, your sexuality, your gender, your pronouns, all of these things. Like, you should feel entitled to, like, give your affirming stuff. Like, I don't have the right words for all of this, but, like, it shouldn't just be assumed that you are – a gender normative cishet person and that like it is something crazy that you're not totally i mean yeah like there's a million different flavors of human and straight is just one of them Mm -hmm. and cisgendered is just one of them yeah like it's fantastic for me that you know i've never had to be misgendered or, you know, be mistaken for a person that I am not. But it's not fair. Just because I got that, you know, I got that goodness in my life. That's not fair that other people don't get to have that. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of that whole thing of, I mean, you can equate it to a lot of things too. It's like with religion, you know, like it's, it's hard for me to explain this. And I promise there's like a connection here, but it's like, it's really easy for me to equate Christianity, but not like true Christianity, but just the word Christianity with white Republicans. Right. Yeah. And I, I could, and mostly cause I grew up in a Baptist church. It was very hard for me to believe that there were other people that thought differently. But also that the the way of thinking in that environment wasn't necessarily what it was supposed to be. Like, basically what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of things that people are labeled as that are not necessarily, like, true to that label, nor should you have to define or defend what that label means to you. And so I would love it if my kid came out to me as straight. Like, I would right? love it if they like, came out to me as gay. But all I'm trying to say is, like, I don't... They should feel free to, like... Yeah. Like, I don't need to assume... I don't want to assume, like, that my kid... Because, so, okay, small tangent. <laughs> and this love is tangents. us. And this is us. One of the kids is, uh, not the big three, but, like, one of their kids is gay. And she comes out to the family, and it's a beautiful scene. They handle it really well. But you don't ever actually see that happen, like, you know, an interaction between her and um, a person she's attracted to until much later. And so we just saw that. And there was a really great scene between the mom and her mom about that classic thing that most, 
moms usually say is like when they learn that their kid is gay, all their hopes and dreams or all their um, their visions of what their kid's life was going to turn out to be like just poof goes away, right? Mm. Which I don't agree with. I, I think that's crap. I think that's just a way to rationalize you feeling uncomfortable with something, which is fine. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you need to make yourself feel better mm-hmm. in the moment as long as you don't take it out on your kid. But then her mother makes a really excellent point about how it's not really about the fact that she's gay. It's just that she's different than what you thought she was going to be. Because basically she said, as a parent, And I truly think this is true of anybody, regardless if you're a parent, if you're a friend, if you're a a daughter, if you're whoever you are, you're always adjusting because, yeah, you might have a preconceived notion. We have these unconscious biases that we're just we just have. It's unfortunate that they're there, but they're there. And when something isn't what you perceive it to be or what you expected, you adjust. It's just what you do. But in this case, yeah, sure, because of the way things have always been, it might be a larger adjustment than what you expected it to be, but it's still an adjustment. But that doesn't take away the fact that it's still an adjustment. And so I thought it was really nice how she normalized that way of thinking to say, look, you don't have to – You just because she ended up being something you didn't expect her to be doesn't mean it's any worse. You just adjust. You adapt. You grow. You change. It's just what we do as human beings. So that was just my tangent. I don't even know how I got on this <laughs> tangent, but I just appreciate that so much more than what Brandon says in that whole, like, well, I'm not gay, so it's fine. And, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I I have to do my whole, like, put on my 1994 glasses when we watch the show and think, like, there is a solid chance I was four. I cannot be sure, <laughs> but there was a solid chance that this was the like good response to this, and they right. were expecting this to be a good response. And I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give you my other fun fact for this episode. Be, fun facts, um, because I think like this is probably the best time to throw them in because they are related to the storyline. So, um. First of all, in partnership with the L.A. chapter of the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, the producers of 90210 sponsored screenings of Blind blind Spot at three gay and lesbian youth centers in the L.A. area. Following each screening, executive producer Chuck Rosen and guest star Todd Bryant, who played Artie, participated in question and answer sessions. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, I, I truly think that this was good for the time and it's just that like it's been 30 years yeah and we have learned that like not only is there just gay straight period there is a whole spectrum Mm -hmm. like gender is a spectrum sexuality is a spectrum and like people are people and love is love and just everything is good totally and before you move on to your next facts i believe you said facts oh yes I do want to point out, I'm not trying to shit on Brandon here because I do think it's better for him to have that reaction than Steve's reaction, like without a doubt. So, oh, yeah, I do think the writers, like you said, in 1994, handled that the best way that they could based on 
what they probably felt or knew at the time. So I'm mm -hmm. not shitting on Brandon or the writers because I'm happy he's having that feeling that it's not a big deal, you know, period, in 1994. Because I know how how long it took to get that far. And then now it's nice to see that we've gotten a little bit farther than that. Yeah, because uh, my next fun fact is Brandon Douglas, who previously portrayed Mike Ryan over the course of season four, refused to play a gay character, saying it would ruin his career. That's why Mike Ryan got recast. Ugh. And that's why I didn't recognize him in the coffee house. Mm -hmm. Same. Oh, that sucks. But uplifting fun fact, kind of uplifting. Uh, gender theorist E. Graham McKinley has examined blind spot for its portrayal of gender relationship dynamics between diverse pairings. Specifically, David's interaction with the disabled Holly, a date between Donna and recurring African-American Deshaun Hardell. And I actually looked up their book. It's mostly in print. You can get it for like $40 on Amazon. Genuinely debated buying a book that is completely <laughs> about gender theory in Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> I wouldn't have blamed you for one second. But yeah, that that's a good point. I didn't even realize until you mentioned that there is a ton of I guess I don't know how to say it, but like there's an interracial, you know, relationship. There's um able and disable. I'm not sure how you phrase that, right? Yeah, I because I've I never really, I've never really liked the term disability or disabled or, or things like that. But like, I recognize that's, it's, it's not derogatory. Like I get that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, there's gay, not there's Mike Ryan. Yeah. There's not, it's not gay versus straight, but it's like the differences or like homophobia versus not homophobia. And, and I think that's exactly it. It's like homophobia. And then there's that whole conversation that Mike and Steve have later where, Steve tries to relate his relationship with Celeste. Oh, yeah. To being a closeted gay man. And I have a lot of issues with that, but yeah. it, did, it did happen. But anyway. Yeah, anyway. Moving along in uh, the plot, I suppose. Yeah, because I guess uh, the next thing we see is Brandon and Deshaun are walking through the locker room talking about March Madness. And Deshaun is like, we are going to make it to that tournament next season. And I just, I am loving the amount of Deshaun they're starting to give us. I know. And I, am especially, I am especially loving, first of all, they were just walking through the locker room and Deshaun is wearing a towel, but he is like a foot taller than <laughs> Brandon. I know. And then I don't want to give it away, but. Okay, I won't tell you what the quote is, but like then like immediately after this comes my quote of the week and it has something to do with Brandon's height. So and that works in perfectly because Deshaun really is like a foot taller. He really is. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I can't guess your quote of the week because my next quote is Brandon and I don't think it's what you picked. I mean, let's be real. It was really hard to pick a quote this week because there wasn't a lot of good ones so I had to pick one that was like lighthearted. but we'll we'll get there um but yeah this is when they run into like Mike and I guess Mike and Brandon are gonna play basketball together um which is cute I actually like the idea of Brandon playing with people other than Deshaun 
And then it's even cuter when Deshaun tells Mike to force Brandon left because he can't go left. So I just love that there's like this little bit of like friends, you know, like, I don't know, cute little we know each other kind of thing. (laughs) Right. I love the idea of like you're making your college friends. Like I got my high school friends. I got my college friends. I can intermingle the the two groups. It's not like they have to be mutually exclusive, but like Brandon's got his basketball buddies. He goes and plays basketball with like the president of Keg House and the star <laughs> of the basketball team. I don't know how the two of them tolerate Brandon, but okay. <laughs> They're adorable and that's all I care about. They're so cute. Not cute. Uh, Mike mentions that Steve got off the B list and is going to be in the calendar and then like makes some comment about Mike being moody and Brandon says he's got a lot on his mind. And that's when Mike realizes that Steve told Brandon, and now Brandon knows his big secret. Right. And Brandon tries to say that, like, the last thing Steve would want to do is break any of the brothers' trust or his trust and and do anything wrong here. And I just don't believe him, not because it's what Brandon's saying. I don't believe that Steve cares about that because he cares more about this. Well, and... Five seconds later, like literally we, you know, get a short interlude where Donna runs into Deshaun and then we see Steve checking himself out in those little manner mallard panties and like being super adorable. But then I think it's Artie. I wrote Artie question mark tells him and I quote, he looks like the poster boy for queer nation. Mm-hmm. And then he like calls him butchie. He calls him fruity with a lisp. Ugh. And like, I don't, first of all, I don't understand why they would make these comments of Steve in duck shorts. Like, yeah. Just didn't make sense well, you, in my mind. Especially because like, Artie, aren't you also about to put on panties? Like what, what are your, what, what is so masculine about yours versus ducks? They were, like, already in their panties, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, it was almost, like, the intention of the scene was, like, Steve was checking himself out in his boxers, which, like, totally fine. Steve's got a good bod. You should have the self-confidence to check yourself out in a mirror. I'm totally for that. But then Artie is behind him also in boxers feeling very self-conscious and chooses to, you know, bring other people around him down in order to elevate himself and his version of bringing you down is to question your masculinity, AKA calling you gay. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, it's toxic. This whole room, like you would pass out from the toxic masculinity if you opened a door. It's awful. And of course, because of everything that's been happening and Steve's like fear of being associated with anything gay, it's, he's you can tell this whole time he's like a he's like a a ticking time bomb it's just gonna take one little wrong move to set him off and sure enough it freaking does and yeah so we don't see on screen steve saying this which like it feels like they keep doing this to steve it feels like they give him really mean storylines and like this is the worst thing that steve could do but we're not going to show you that he did it Mm -hmm. but like clearly he did it because, you know, all the guys, like, 
Brandon and Mike are on their way to the Alpha House because they have to go for their fittings and everyone else storming out of the house and being like, you know why we're leaving. And, like, I think Artie even tells Mike that he disgusts him or something. Yeah. And it's gross. And Steve's like, almost tries to make light of the situation, which I hated, too, because he's like, it just slipped out. It's like, okay, if you're going to be that worried about your masculinity, why don't you fucking own up to this? That's, like, the whole, the rest of the scene and then the next scene in the peach pit. First, Steve blames Mike for lying to everyone. And then Mike is like, well, I'm lying to everyone because of bigots like you. Yeah. Like and it's my off. life. Yeah. Like it's, it's what we talked about earlier. Like you, you get to determine those things. Nobody else gets to decide that for you. That's not mm-hmm. how the world works. It's not how the world should work. Right. And then, you know, for some reason, because this all fell apart, like, a ton of them go to the, the Peach Pit. It's, like, Steve, Donna, Kelly, and Brandon, I think. And then, like, Donna asks him, she's like, I don't know when you became so homophobic. And Steve gets mad at her over it. It's like, bruh, what did you just do? I do, I will say, like, yes, it's, it's Steve's just awful this whole time. But I love that Donna calls him out for being homophobic. And then Kelly even piles on. Like, that was a good move <laughs> by the writers, for sure. I don't. I didn't even write down what Kelly said. Uh, she says, "No, you just don't want to know them or have anything to do with them, right?" Right, because Steve tries to say he's not homophobic. That what whatever, and then yeah, Kelly's like, "Oh no, you're not homophobic. You just don't want anything have anything to do with them." Which I would also like to point out that Kelly does have a friend who's in the closet and she respected his wishes and did not out him and I miss him so much and still even when this would have been a prime opportunity to say like hey I know someone who's gay and blah 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 blah, and she doesn't Uh, nothing Kyle where did Kyle go to college I hope he's having a good time there I hope he went to like Stanford or something I I hope he went to like NYU and just became like East Coast elite. Yeah. Just just Kyle. Live your life, Kyle. Love that for him. him. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, I mean, this scene basically ends with Steve saying he'll go to the keg house and smooth things over. Kelly says she'll talk to the other guys in the calendar. And then Donna says she'll talk to Deshaun, which I think was basically just being like Donna and Deshaun have a date. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also feel like Deshaun would not be bothered by this at all. He wouldn't care. I have no I have no reason to believe he'd care. He'd be like, yeah. is he good at basketball? Yeah. <laughs> that's literally all I care about. Yeah. Did he beat Brandon today? <laughs> yeah. She'd say it and he'd be like, well, how did their game of three on three go? Mm-hmm. Who won? Did he force Brandon left? Exactly. But yeah, then we get an awful scene of Keg House where Artie and the other guys are playing foosball. Steve wants to talk to Artie. And Artie's like, no, this is important, like in regards to the stupid foosball game. So then um, Steve goes to Mike's room and apparently the other Keg brothers painted Mike's door pink. And Mike is now packing 
to presumably leave. And so after this, like we already had to see all of the hazing, you know, they kind of made us believe that like the worst part of it was John Sears, but there was still a lot of hazing. And now you have this like just hate crime, Mm -hmm. essentially. Like that was the intention of this. Oh, yeah. And like, I swear to God, if we ever see Keg Brothers in a positive light after this, I, I, I'm going to lose my mind. I know. Especially like, see, especially this Artie guy. He, like, took the place. There had to be a John Sears. And, like, Steve even tries to stand up for them. And is like, I'm sure they didn't mean anything by it. It was just like, a dumb prank. No. It wasn't a dumb prank when they called the cops on you and got you arrested. Right. It's not a prank now. Yeah. Literally, hate crime. And to make matters worse, like, not only are they doing, did they do a hate crime to him, but now Artie's calling for a membership meeting because they want to kick him out of the fraternity altogether. And so Mike's like, um, no, they're not going to take this away from me. I'm going to resign and I'm leaving. And then there's this super weird attempt at, like, an artsy scene, I think, where Steve's like, uh, where are you going to go? But won't look at Mike Ryan. And Mike Ryan stands behind him and is talking to him. And they're just not making eye contact because they wanted Steve to, like, not turn around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, it was just weird. Like, I, I would have much rather seen Steve turn around and like make eye contact with him and be like where are you gonna go like I don't want you to go rather than this like I can't do anything about this this isn't my fault yeah and like he keeps saying that he was like I'd never do anything to hurt you I'm like mother effort look what you just did own up and he does have a fairly decent apology but then he keeps saying like it's gonna blow over they didn't mean anything by it I wouldn't do anything to hurt you and negates the whole thing yeah it's it's just frustrating it's like you he doesn't understand the gravity of the situation he just wants to think that this is just like a flare-up this is just normal guy fighting or something like that and it'll just they'll wrestle and then it'll be fine right like yeah it's just not he just doesn't understand like how real this is and that's exactly the point yeah, it's it's a whole, like, Steve won't grow up, Steve won't accept, you know, responsibility for his actions, and we've seen it time and time again. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the next thing we see, Steve goes back to the coffee house looking for Mike. Mike is sitting at a table with, you know, some guy. We don't know who this is. This character never gets named. But that guy leaves, Steve sits down, and then Mike starts talking about his first boyfriend, Gary, who, like, wanted to have a real relationship with him. He wanted to, you know, go out places and do things together and not just, like, stay hidden inside of apartments and whatnot. And Mike was scared that if he went out, people would see him and they would find out what, like, that he was gay and had a boyfriend. And for some reason, Steve thinks that he understands because he dated a girl that didn't go to college. No, Steve, you wanted to hide Celeste so that she wouldn't see that you were flirting and trying to hook up with other women. And I'm sorry, but Celeste was an angel. 
Celeste and was, you didn't deserve her. Exactly. Celeste was way better than any girl Steve could have or has gotten thus far, besides Kelly. But that was Kelly, like 16-year-old Kelly. Well, and the thing is, we never saw right. Kelly and Steve together. We saw Steve ruin everything with Celeste, who was just so, <laughs> so much better than him. God. Yeah. I hope she's somewhere nice having fun. I hope so, too. I hope she is now, like, like chief uh, merchandising so-and-so. I don't know fashion things. But, like, you know, because she was working at that department store or whatever. So I hope she, like, got to corporate, became, like, head of merchandising or whatever. Whatever she wanted to do, I hope she did it. She pulls a Rachel Green and yep. becomes a personal shopper at Bloomingdale's, which is like her dream job ever. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Ugh, God, could you imagine? Celeste would be so good at that job. Oh, my God. And what if she got to go to New York um, because that's where corporate is for this department store and she runs into Kyle and she and Kyle are best friends? Another spinoff for the fanfic list. <laughs> and they're like Will and Grace. Oh my god. Celeste They're and just Kyle in New York. <laughs> I can see it all now. This is an East Coast it. show now. <laughs> oh my god. I love it so much. <laughs> Unfortunately, we still have some shit to deal with. Oh my god. Um, because Steve asks Mike to come back to the house and it's like he already has to go back there because it's the stupid member member meeting and Artie is complaining about how they currently have a nickname of the jock house and it'll mean something entirely different once this gets out which I don't even want to comment on that but these he he then says like he's even concerned about alumni not giving donations anymore which I feel like that's an actual concern at least for the times because I, I can absolutely see like rich white former keg brothers who are now older refusing well, and to like our are clearly like Artie because yeah. Artie is like you have to make those assumptions. Now I completely agree with you that like unfortunately that's probably a legitimate concern of his, but it's a stupid one and they shouldn't want those donations anyway. Well and and while the concern is real like the actual like problem, potential problem is like a real thing, the intent or like the reason why he's concerned with it is the issue. It's yeah. Is he's afraid of the perception of it rather than the actual donations. Also, did you find it interesting that they are giving speeches for this, but when Steve held that like brother challenge to get John kicked out of the fraternity for hazing him and then turning him into the police, nobody got to give a speech? Yeah. I why do we like weird. keg? We don't we don't like keg. <laughs> I know. And then like Mike has to stand up for himself, first of all. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of issues with like the rest of this scene because he has to stand up for himself and he starts bringing up the other firsts that the fraternity has had. Their first black brother, their first Jewish brother, their first Hispanic brother, their first Asian brother. And that the problem isn't him, it's everyone else. 100 percent true. Totally on board with your argument. Go, Mike. Uh, then I think it's Artie. It was like, you're talking about race. I'm talking about sex. And I was just like, bro, he said Jewish. <laughs> I 
I think we all know Artie's not the sharpest tack in the drawer. Like, dude. I know. No, I know. it was it was so bad. And then, like, I think Steve makes a motion. Keith seconds it. They all clap. Artie storms out. And I guess this is just what we're going to keep doing with Keg over and over and over again. I guess so. Because, like, pretty much what happened to John, but, like, on a 90-degree angle. Like, it's just, it's just slightly different. It's slightly different, but one thing that's been consistent, and I think Mary mentioned it in her synopsis, Keith was on the right side both times. Maybe not initially, but heard and learned and was more educated on it. And then chose the right path. So good on you, Keith. Icon Keith. Yeah. Like, he's the greatest character on this show. <laughs> I would like to follow Keith for a day. Well, like, let's give him a love interest. <laughs> he, at this point, has gotten more character development than some main cast people. True. Yes. In, like, three appearances. True. We didn't even know no. his name for, like, the first three episodes he was in. And yet, I love him. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, Mike gets to say, and I guess we're not homophobic anymore, and Steve making that one speech makes up for all of the shit that he did. And I guess Mike is a better, bigger person than I am. Because I don't know that I'd just let that go. Agreed. Brothers, man. <laughs> Brother. But then it's photo shoot day and they make like a big deal about showing Mike and Deshaun talking about basketball together. 100% there. <laughs> totally into it. And then I guess – you know, the two Keg brothers didn't show up, Artie and Glenn, and so Donna and Kelly are like, oh my god, what are we going to do? Which, like, even if Artie showed up, you shouldn't put him in this calendar. Totally. But it's obvious what they're going to do because their boyfriends are there. And it's silly, but I, I truly do love the idea that they went up to Dylan and David and are like, these guys dropped out last minute. I know you think this is stupid. I just really need help. And Dylan is just like, I got a wetsuit in my car. Give me 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like he's one of those like, all right, all right, all right. And then he gets like really into it. <laughs> he hammed it up in front of that camera. Oh, yeah. Like he's strolls on with his like feet in flippers and he's <laughs> like holding his breath like he's underwater and then he just does cute things with his face mm -hmm. and I loved him yep and then okay I did not expect to love Brandon with the beanie and the long johns as much as I did but oh my goodness cold boy <laughs> <laughs> I loved him like on the fake deer, like, trying to sit on it of, like, I don't know what to do with my butt. <laughs> like, what are I these died when props? he sat on the deer. <laughs> he just didn't know what to do with all the props that it was giving him. It was, like, literally, like, whose line is it anyway during the props sketch? And he's, like, <laughs> you gave me things I can't work with. Will this, will this support my weight? Should I, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna. Okay? We're, we're going to try it. We're just going to kiss it. Just give it a little kiss. <laughs> Also, I'm, the, I'm, 
Oh, sorry. The pair of skis that they had like leaned up between the deer's antlers. <laughs> I know. It was so truly a prop. I really hope they actually release this calendar. Again, an opportunity like they would do for How I Met Your Mother, like the fake websites and stuff. Ah, oh, if only. Well, and like they made this whole, you know, big deal of it's a charity calendar for the Hartley House. Like actually release it as a charity for like Glad or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, but oh my god, all of it. And then Steve with the golf clubs and the little hat. <laughs> the bunny. Bunny scared me a little bit. I love that he had an egg on his head like he just <laughs> hatched. <laughs> That's why I couldn't stop thinking of Animal Crossing. <sighs> but yeah, we needed that eye bleach after <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. Desperately. We definitely Because yeah, I like... It was a pretty good episode. Like, I have some issues with some of it with being in, you know, 2021 and knowing where we are now to 1984. Like, literally, (laughs) who would have thought you make a comment about the president and then one month later someone's like, he exposed himself in front of me and wouldn't take no for an answer. I'm a little bit shocked they kept it in. I'm, I'm really curious to see what they say about him for the rest of the season. Cause mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try not to bring it too far down again, but like, let's talk about the history of believing women. Right. So, you know, who knows? But yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like it was, you know, handled reasonably well. Like the idea that they had the guest star who played Artie go to the Q and a sessions at you know the youth centers like I feel like that's a pretty big deal Mm -hmm. it is probably the right move right like you want to you want to be able to separate the actor from the character and that's probably the best way to do it exactly like that's what's so important because there's actually uh they apparently called the original keg president charlie to come back as well and he also said no oh my for, gosh you know the same reason wow gosh do you realize we've seen Artie in four episodes no i thought this was like the first episode we saw him in crunch time <laughs> crunch time scared very straight change partners and blind spot hmm. yeah so there you go all right, you want my quote of the week? I do, because I have no idea what it is. Okay, well, it's a moment of levity, so that's good. It's when Deshaun, um, Brandon, and Mike are talking about playing basketball. And Mike goes, all right, I got to make short work of you, Walsh. And he meant, like, we got to do this quick, but he said short. <laughs> I love it. So that's what it was. Uh what uh what gems can we expect next week well we've got oh season four episode 27 divas okay well i don't think that dylan's family is going to show back up in this episode (laughs) but i do wonder where they are who knows erica got her poor erica she got her period and just bolted (laughs) was that the last time we saw they were like gross get this out of here 
before a girl became a woman. <laughs> She's not a girl, not yet a woman. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, for more quality content like this, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Back2Podcast. Shoot us an email about whatever you want. Let's be real. We'll take any anything you got at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app, share, subscribe, rate, review, you know, all the different buttons you can press. Uh, you know, five stars really helps us get seen. If you leave us a review, we'll read it on the air. You know, just hang out with us. I responded to like three people on Instagram this week. It was a pretty good time. It was good exposure and good communication. That's all I have to say about that. I think we all enjoyed it. I can personally say that I enjoyed it. Same So here. keep hanging out with us. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm a newly hatched bunny. I'm Rocky too, just being there in one scene all cute. And I'm a cold boy in long underwear. Bye. Bye. See ya.